Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's sleeping spree event, save up to 50% on ceiling. With clean mattresses starting at $349.99. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. Powered by Overtime Media, I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, and you love him, as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we got to talk about the roster moves that were made on Monday, plus that little uh, bonus, well, maybe not a bonus, but that guaranteed number that Brett Rippon's getting. We're going to break that down today. Yeah, supposedly, based on that number, we don't know what it is just yet, but the Broncos have pretty big plans for Brett Rippon, and Drew Locke shouldn't uncomfortable just yet to that QB2 job. So it's definitely out of nowhere, Chad. It's an interesting development. Absolutely. We're going to break it down, and we're also going to answer the VIP questions in the mailbag that we were unable to get to last week, uh, late last week because of just timing issues. We're going to dive into that as a kind of a makeup mailbag the second half of the show. But first, guys, just make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Easy to do. It's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And don't forget to leave your creative review on iTunes and, and leave us that five-star rating. All right. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So, first thing, let's talk about the roster addition. Now, obviously, this is one of those key points in the offseason where the roster is fluctuating, right? It's like it's just moving up and down. Players are, are getting signed after the draft. Players are getting cut in many places. And for the Broncos, they signed 16, as we talked about on yesterday's episode, college free agents. And then on Monday, they went and signed a kicker. And, Zach, you had the story on it. I'll let you break that down, exactly what the Broncos did Monday. 
All right, so yeah, apparently they signed this kicker named Taylor Bertolet. Uh, he was at Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel, actually. He had a cup of coffee in Denver last offseason. He was released, and then he latched on to the AAF with the uh, Salt Lake City franchise there. He is, I guess, on the surface competition, if he makes it that far, Chad, to training camp for Brandon McManus. And we all know Tom McMahon, the special teams coordinator, hasn't been too thrilled with McManus's work the last couple of years. He said earlier this month before the minicamp, McManus can improve on everything going into 2019 and then bring in another kicker. So uh, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the Broncos are, are looking for competition at two of their three specialist positions right now because they signed a long snapper on uh, over the weekend <clears throat> after the draft, an undrafted guy from northern Colorado. And then they signed Bertolet or Bertolet or however you pronounce his name on Monday. And to me, the implications are clear. They're not satisfied with Brandon McManus. And this is a move that they're either hoping to just simply get better production out of the kicker position, whether that means they have to move on from McManus if he is vanquished in an open competition, or they're hoping that the addition of a little competition in training camp by way of this Bertolet will elevate Brandon McManus. And the same holds true for Casey Kreider and the and the long snapper they signed from Northern Colorado. But, you know, this is just one of those, especially long snapper, especially kicker. I mean, John Elway, this has been one of my biggest gripes from him as a front office guy, is he has spent way too much money, in my opinion, over the years on specialists. He paid Prater. He paid Matt Prater after franchise tagging him. He paid uh, Brandon McManus, of course, and he paid Britton Colquitt. And then, I mean, for the most part, Prater and Colquitt, I think they earned their money, but still they're paying them top dollar for the position as far as the NFL is concerned around the league, all 32 teams. And then McManus, he gave him a nice contract after, I think it was after Super Bowl 50. And, you know, he had a great season. That was, he was, he helped the Broncos go all the way that year. He had some clutch kicking that season. But it's been all downhill since then, Zach. And so to me, any competition, let the best man win. I couldn't care less what the the dollar or the salary cap implications are, that who's getting paid. I want the best guy to win because the truth is, Brandon McManus has just any anytime they roll him out and it's any kind of a clutch situation, more often than not, the last three years, he's come up wanting. Yeah, and that's what McMahon talked about. He believes that he has that, but he's withered in recent years under the pressure. And that's a big part of his job considering he got $8.25 million as a kicker. He's going to count $4 million, to your point, Chad, against the salary cap this year. That's not expensive, but it's not cheap either. I mean, the Broncos can do better with that money with a more reliable kicker. He's still one of the better special teamers in the game, but he's not giving the Broncos a good return on his investment. And last year, McMahon did the same thing at long snapper and kicker with Bertola, and they brought in Christian Kuntz as a long snapper. He didn't last with them, but the message was sent. That no one is guaranteed a job, even if you sign a contract, even if you're relatively paid well at your position, you're going to have to fight for your job. So I like to see it, and hopefully it makes McManus a better kicker, uh, and at least more reliable, Chad. Yeah, I'm just I'm just stoked to see some competition there. You know, it's a shot across the bow. It's a you're-on-notice type situation. And by no means am I saying that this is, you know, a direct harbinger that McManus is going out the door this year. But it's good to bring in competition. You yep. know, this is a guy that... Just frankly, he's been very inconsistent ever since John Elway gave up, I think it was a seventh-round pick to acquire him from the Giants uh, a few years back before Super Bowl 50, and he had that one really good year in which he set some franchise records and, 
You know, he was clutch from 50. But since then, man, if it's over 40 yards, it's a crapshoot. It's it's a roll of the dice. It's 50-50 whether or not he's making it. And long snapper, it's like, you know, it's great that Casey Kreider was was named to, to the Pro Bowl as a long snapper and represents the team. And that's great and all. But let's face it, long snapper as a position, it's a dime a dozen in the NFL. And the Broncos, that's just one of those positions where – they're looking to get cheap any any place they can. And if Long Snapper can save them half a million dollars on the salary cap per year, you know, give or take, why not? It's just funny that we used to call him McManus McMoney because of how reliable he was. And now we're talking about him possibly being pushed by an unknown kicker and not being reliable. It just shows in the NFL that reputation doesn't matter. It's truly a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of league. Yeah, I mean, last year, just looking at his numbers real quick since we're on the, the conversation, McManus from 20 to 29 was 5 for 5 on field goals. From 30 yards to 39 yards, 6 for 6. So far, so good. He's batting 1,000. From 40 to 49, my dude was 7 for 7. But then you get into the 50 and beyond, he's 2 for 7. And mm. the problem is a lot of those kicks, they're going from 50 because you need it. You don't have a choice, right? It's in the clutch. That's why you're going from 50. And, we, you know, two for seven on that number, it's just, it's not good. So he made 80% of his kicks last year. And that's just, that's a number that simply has to improve. When you look across the league, I mean, I think the better kickers, and especially the ones who are making the type of money that he is, they're either in the high 80s or the ver- the low to, well, the 90s, actually. Mo- the, the really good ones in the NFL are in the 90s, Zach. Hey, I'll say this in McManus's defense. Some of those misses from 50 were coaching decisions or the end of half, the end of game. You can't hold every single one against them, but he's de- against him. He's definitely not as reliable, though, and that's the bottom line. And in a stadium like the Broncos Stadium, with the ball traveling further, it should be a no-brainer. I mean, 51, 52 yards in that stadium is like 41, 42 yards elsewhere. So he has no excuses. Yeah. And McMahon, I love the, the coaching that he's showing here, the leadership, and that's something that we didn't see under Vance Joseph, hold players accountable i really do like it a lot and that's why i believe fangio kept him on staff they kind of see eye to eye in that sense and i don't want to spend half this podcast talking about specialists but i agree with you on mcmahon there because you think back last year the broncos paid that money to marquette king and the broncos just weren't quite liking what they were seeing and what they were getting from him so they bring in an undrafted guy in colby wadman just to push him just to send the message and it turned out to be more than King could handle. And before you knew it, Wadman had vanquished him. King was out the door. And the Broncos ended up being better for it in the long run. You know, it took a few games for Wadman to get his, his kind of legs beneath him and whatnot. And that's probably what would happen if in future uh, Bartlett ends up vanquishing McManus in, in an open competition this summer. You know, you're going to have a, probably a few kicks where he's kind of getting his bearings in the NFL, learning how to deal with the pressure because so much of that position, especially is a between-the-ears type of position, it's like your golf stroke. The kick stroke is so much technique and just automatic. It's got to be an automatic motion where you're not fo- you're not worried, you're not thinking, you're just going through the stroke and you're focused. And, and I, that's where McManus has really come up short. So if that's what happens down the road, though, is what I'm getting at, and Bertola ends up vanquishing McManus there'll probably be a bump or two in the road as he acclimates to life in the NFL but it could end up being for the better for Denver 
And the thing about Wadman, that was McMahon's boy. I mean, he stumped for him in the organization, and he kind of forced Elway to cut King, who was Elway signing, and signed Wadman, who was McMahon's guy. So he has some power within the organization. He's been doing this a long time, McMahon. He has a great eye for talent there. And fortunately, Elway is being open to his recommendations. It's going to make the Broncos, I think, overall, if not only the special teams unit, a better team. Amen. Now let's get to this other story here. Usually when the Broncos, or any NFL team for that matter, sign undrafted rookies or college free agents, like Chris Harris, for example, famous for getting a $2,000 signing bonus to come join the Broncos and compete. Usually, I think the most I've ever seen paid out for a Bronco since I've covered the team was 20000 bucks. That's like the most that they're usually willing to go. Philip Lindsay, for example, as you wrote in your story on Monday, Zach, got $15,000 to sign as an undrafted rookie in Denver. Yep. Well, the Broncos are showing Brett Rippon the money, and we got to discuss what the implications are. Now, we don't know exactly yet what that six-figure guarantee is. Then I'm sure it'll come to light down the road. But according to Nikki Jabbala of The Athletic, the Broncos, to secure Rippon's services to get him in Denver, offered him six figures guaranteed. So maybe it's just right at hundred grand. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe they're guaranteeing him a place on the roster, although that last thing I'd have a hard time believing. But what do you take away from that, Zach? Honestly, I think that it lends – I don't think it guarantees a spot, but it definitely works toward that because no undrafted guys, Chad, like Philip Lindsay, like you said, are getting that kind of money. It's obvious the Broncos have big plans for him. It's obvious that they had a draftable grade on him. It's obvious that Elway is a fan of him or someone in the organization is – they have a plan for Brett Rippon, whether it's the third string, second string, or practice squad. Um, he's a part of the Broncos organization. And I will say, Elway was very, very gutsy with him playing Russian roulette with these quarterbacks. He wanted Locke. Uh, he didn't have him at 10. He didn't have him at 41. He got him at 42. He wanted Rippon. Not enough to burn a draft pick on him, though, and got him as an undrafted free agent, which is terrific value. So we don't know yet. We The, the competition's still going to play out. Flacco's the starter. Locke is probably the backup. But this money, Chad, says to me, he's going to be around for a little while. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a sign. I mean, if you're Kevin Hogan or Garrett Grayson, you might as well start packing Bye-bye. your bags. Yep. You know, you, you got to start looking, for, tell your agent, hey, man, start keeping your eyes open because it's not looking good in Denver. And Pay me or trade me. Yeah, that's, and that's <laughs> fine, right? I mean, and it's not going to happen with either of those guys, of course, but... It's good because the Broncos are upgrading the quarterback room. I mean, yep. if you look at how far they've come for as much as, as Zach and I were high on Chad Kelly, it's pretty it's pretty safe to say at this point that Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Brett Rippon are a more than significant upgrade over Case Keenum, Chad Kelly, and Kevin Hogan, which is what the Broncos rolled with for most of the 2018 season. I mean, it's just it's exciting, and... You know, who knows? Maybe Joe Flacco comes in here and he's able to win some games and get the Broncos to the playoffs and he can fend off Drew Locke for a couple of years. And and if that's the case, Rippon, the Broncos will probably end up having a hard time holding on to Rippon. But if Joe Flacco over the next two two year window struggles at all and Drew or gets hurt and Drew Locke has to see the field, that bodes well also uh, for Mr. Brett Rippon in terms of job security. You know, and I think he's a guy that if we're trying to, you know, figure out who in the organization liked him, my guess would be Rich Scangarello. So as it relates mm-hmm. to quarterbacks, you know, yep. Elway, Elway liked Locke for a lot of obvious and evident reasons. But I think Scangarello, you know, he wanted his new OC and QB developer to rubber stamp Locke. I think he got that. Rippon, to me, 
and paying him this money and, and finding him and signing him after the draft smacks of Scangarello, a similar thing like with Mullins, although, of course, Rippon's a much higher profile player than Mullins ever was coming out of college. But that smacks to me of Scangarello, you know, doing his due diligence in the pre-draft process, scouting him, talking to him at the different functions, like at the Combine, and going, John, we got to keep an eye on this guy, regardless of what happens for us at quarterback in the premium rounds. If the opportunity comes for us to get Mr. Rippon on the cheap, we got to get him in here. Spot on, Chad. And in watching the Broncos behind-the-scenes videos on Twitter and stuff, it became clear that Scangarello has a lot of influence in that war room. Uh, so if he made a recommendation to Elway, and Elway listened. So it, it's good to see that Elway's taking advice and input from a, a rookie offensive coordinator who's just you know still making his bearings there. The way I see it, though, Drew Locke is the new Chad Kelly, and uh, Rippon is the new Kyle Sloter. So it's definitely exciting time for the Broncos. A couple days ago, there was no long-term young hope under center. Now they have two young quarterbacks they can build around. It's exciting, exciting times. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me this time last week that Drew Locke and the Broncos were going to have both Drew Locke and Brett Rippon by the end of draft weekend, I would not have believed that. No, I just said you're you're on crack, <laughs> Crazy. dude. <laughs> Crazy. So pinch yourself, Broncos country, and it's you know what's really exciting if you think about this, guys, is that the Broncos have five preseason games this year. So we're going to get a lot of looks at Drew Locke. We're going to get a lot of looks at Brett Rippon. It's going to be a really fun summer in August as it relates to preseason football, even though they're exhibition games, Zach, because we're going to get to analyze and evaluate young quarterbacks in the Broncos uniform and system. And that last game, too, the finale is going to be all Locke and all Rippon. So that's going to be a prime audition to see what the Broncos have. I, for one, Chad, cannot wait. I believe between the two, they have a, a longer-term quarterback than Joe Flacco on the roster. You and I are both huge fans of Drew Locke. But to have Rippon, not only to get him as an undrafted free agent, but to have him as your number three quarterback, I, how could you hate on that? Absolutely. So we will, uh, of course, be talking a lot more about Drew Locke, a lot more about Brett Rippon as we get deeper into the summer months. And uh, so we look forward to doing that. But we still have a mailbag to dive into and your questions to answer the VIP subscribers of milehighhuddle.com 24-7 sports. We're going to tackle that on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach. So it is that time of week where we take a peek inside the Mile High mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And as always, we absolutely love answering the questions and engaging our VIP subscribers. And for those of you who are not VIPs and want to get access to the mailbag that we do religiously week in and week out, you got to become a subscriber. Go to the website, myhighhuddle.com, find the green banner, click it. You can get your first month for $1.00. And if you want to go uh, go in long-term, you can get 30% off an annual subscription. So check that out. Not only are you going to get access to the VIP mailbag and to Zach and I on the podcast, but you will also get access to 100% of the content we publish on the front page, which includes all of our in-depth um, X's and O's work we do, the Broncos film rooms, which we're going to be really diving into on this new draft class Carl Dummler's already broken down Noah Fant. I'm sure that won't be the last Noah Fant VIP film room that we publish. So you get access to that. You get access to the MHH Insiders VIP forum, which not only engages you with other VIPs and hardcore and educated Broncos fans, but also our staff of experts. So it's easy to do. Check that out. But let's get to the first question here. It comes from Burke2105. He's going on one month 
as a VIP subscriber. Burke, we're glad to have you. And it looks like you've been active on the forums, which is great to see. So uh, welcome. But Burke says, what do you make of Justin Hollins getting some looks at inside linebacker? They brought him in for a visit, so I'm willing to bet this is something they tested him on and are comfortable with him doing. Definitely he has the size and speed to be interesting, sort of like Tremaine Edmonds from the Bills, which is actually kind of an interesting comparison because Tremaine Edmonds was an unusually long and twitchy athletic off-ball linebacker, and Hollins has a lot of those same traits. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with Vic Fangio, who's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I just would rather keep Hollins as a predominant edge rusher outside linebacker, not have him learn two positions. Edmonds was a more traditional ILB than Hollins is, so that comparison only holds up so well. I love the suggestion. I I mean, I love the the draft pick of the Broncos made. I'm a big fan of Hollins. I'd rather the Broncos will have either taken a true off-ball linebacker or develop the ones they have in Josie Jewell or maybe Joe Jones. I would rather keep Hollins as that OLB, that pass rusher uh, behind Vaughn Chubb and Jeff Holland. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got some tools to work with as a pass rusher. He's got a really good get-off, and he has a knack. He just has one of those natural propensities for knocking the ball loose and strip sacks, and you, you want that. But you could also harness that as an inside linebacker because he would be – just one of those packages where you could call different blitzes for Vic Fangio and just completely throw off the opposing offense. You just don't know where Hollins is going to come from. But he's here's the thing about Hollins is he is long, right? He's six foot five. He's two hundred forty eight pounds. He's got long arms. He you know the wingspan is there. But his, most of his college career was spent <clears throat> on the D line or as a as an outside linebacker. But the reason he became a, it even became a conversation, him playing off the ball, was because that's where the coaches put him at the East-West Shrine game. And he played his you-know-what off. He played very, very well. And if you look at his comparisons, Zach, to – you go to mockdraftable.com and type in Justin Hollins, it shows you that he was in the 90th percentile, 98th actually, in his 40-yard dash. So for, for his position, he ran a 4-5 – 40, which is phenomenal. That shows you right there why the Broncos are interested in him possibly as an off-ball linebacker. His, from a traits perspective, he shares his highest, uh, Deion Jordan. Everyone remembers him. He was a top five pick, from also from Oregon. And Justin Holland shares 76.9% of his measurable traits and what he performed in the athletic testing at, uh, or with, excuse me, Deion Jordan. So it's kind of a conundrum you know it's a little bit of a puzzle but it's a weapon the Broncos can use Zach one way or another on defense yeah you know Fangio he cut his teeth coaching linebackers so I'll defer to him obviously and he's gonna move around these all these pieces even Chubbs is gonna play inside Chubbs gonna play on the line he's gonna move all these pieces around so while I think Hollins will remain an OLB he is gonna play some ILB and the more the merrier and versatility is key I talked about it last night on the pod that's what the Broncos want. They want players who can play multiple spots, and Hollins apparently offers that, and Vic Fangio sees something, and we just have to lean on his uh, his eye for it because he's shown that he's pretty good at being a defensive coach. No doubt. And one thing last I'll say about Hollins is if you look at his athletic testing, all of the drills that kind of showcase speed and explosion in an athlete, he was in the 70, 80, and 90th percentiles. So he's an explosive athlete. It's just a matter of finding the best place for him. And as Vic Fangio said in their end of draft presser, also finding the best place for what works for the Broncos right now. 
So usually those two things go hand in hand and they, they align. But in this case, you know, the Broncos have a need at off-ball linebacker, so they're going to give him a peek, and, and we'll see how that ends up shaking out. Now, the next question here comes from Bronco in New England, going on 182 months as a VIP subscriber. says, now that the draft and the undrafted free agents have been signed, who are the Broncos looking at for punt and kick return duties, Zach? I think one name you got to throw out there, Brandon Langley, if he ends up making the squad, yep. but I'm sure they're going to kick the tires on some of these undrafted rookie wideouts they signed as well. I also tend to think that the players last year did a pretty good job. Philip Lindsay in that role. They had Deshaun Hamilton. I agree with you. Uh, Brendan Langley's speed as a kick returner. Uh, they didn't take true burners in this draft, so I don't really see uh, Winfrey being on specials. I think it's going to be a combination of the players last year. And Shad, a great point with uh, Langley's speed now that he's playing receiver. That's a perfect kick return candidate right there. Yeah, I don't think with his with the concern of him, you know, durability and his size, I'd be shocked. That you would see if you end up seeing Philip Lindsay in that role this year, because when they were using him in that role last year, it was before they fully understood what they had in him. And it's the same reason that you very rarely see Emmanuel Sanders back there. He's just too valuable because a punt returner takes that kit, you know, you know, secures the ball, and you got guys who are already a full head of steam barreling down at you, as opposed to, you know, being a wide receiver or running back where you know, you're just picking up a head of steam. A lot of times you're, the defender's just picking up a head of steam when, you, when the collisions take place. On punt and kick, man, it's full-blown, full, full speed, man, collisions. And so you really have to weigh the risk as it relates to which guys. It's not just a matter of who's the best at that, because if that were the case, your best receivers oftentimes would end up being the punt returners. And some teams, that's what they do. Very few of them, though. In most cases, it's the best of the rest, right? And in this case, it's going to be a guy like Langley. might be a guy like Winfrey, even though he's kind of tall to be a punt returner. We'll see. But, uh, man, I wish they would have got Penny Hart, Zach. Penny Hart, Emmanuel Hall, Emmanuel Hall, Andy Isabella, all these burners in the draft they passed up on. But let me say that I believe Royce Freeman's going to get more touches on offense. So that should keep Philip Lindsay a little more healthy if they want to use him in that role. And if not... Still have River Craycraft, looked pretty good last year. So there's definitely options on the roster. No maybe Tyreek Hill, explosive all pros, but definitely solid, uh, manageable players. All right, next question here comes from Paul826. Going on four months as a VIP subscriber, very active in the mailbag, very active in the forums. Paul says, I have to give it to Elway. He pulled a great haul in the draft. We got Locke and Rippon to work with Scangarello right away. Some fans don't get Scangarello, might not be in Denver long, so him developing a guy sooner, the better. The thing that shocked me the most is how many hate Locke and say he's not the quarterback of the future. Seems like they would rather trade the farm in 2020 than try Locke in the second at great value. He isn't Cutler, and he isn't a goof like Paxton Lynch. I'm excited in a few years he'll be the guy. We didn't give up future assets either, especially after Trevor, Simeon, and Case Keenum. What are your thoughts, Priest? P.S. Who got Penny Hart? I guess Koob's in the front office wasn't big deal, as big a deal. Great news for us. That's what Paul says. So what what are your thoughts on the ideas? There's been a – I think it's a, it's a vocal minority of minority in Broncos country that the Broncos, you know, basically screwed up taking a quarterback like Drew Locke in round two when they could have just held the fort and swing for the fences in 2020. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, first of all, Penny Hart's with the Colts. That's a great pickup for them. Second of all, I don't see how you can criticize this pick at all. You got a top 10 talent at 42. All you had to give up was a couple late round draft picks. There's no way you can hate on this. All Broncos fans want is Elway to find that long-term quarterback. And every time he swings for the fences, he gets criticized for it. What is he supposed to do? He wanted his guy. He was the QB1 on his board. And he got him in the second round, 42 overall. So it, it doesn't necessarily preclude the Broncos either from getting a quarterback next year. As the Cardinals showed with their precedent, they can trade a quarterback. They can move on. It's not the first time it would happen. I happen to believe, though, Elway is fairly high on Drew Locke. Drew Locke has what it takes with a little seasoning, a little time under his belt to be a franchise quarterback, potentially. And I just, there's no way you can criticize that. Hate the player all you want, but the value at 42, Chad, getting a potential franchise quarterback, it's it's um, indisputably uh, positive. Yes. I mean, the Broncos basically got three first-round picks with their first three selections. Yes. I mean, that's and, – and if you can get one of the best quarterbacks in the class at pick 42 and you have a need – I mean, let's face it. You have a need at quarterback of the future. Joe Flacco's 34. And if you can get one of the best in the class at pick 42 you, and it's your number one rated quarterback on the uh, in the class, you do that all day, every day. So we've, we've of course, you know, lauded the pick – uh, in the two or three podcasts we've done since that day two of the draft. But I can't see, I can't fathom, I can understand how some kind of negative Nancy analysts and people in media could try and poo-poo this, you know, people that are trying to, you know, in other words, they have agendas. They're trying to get clicks. They're trying to get listens. And I can, I can understand how some people will try and gin that up a little bit. But in a true fan, I, look, for those of you who are like, no, don't take a quarterback at pick 10, fine. The Broncos didn't. But to poo-poo on 42, Drew Locke at 42, I mean, you're up in the night if, if you really are tripping on that. You have an agenda at that point. You have an axe to grind with Elway or Drew Locke. It's the only thing. I mean, take the blinders off. A top 10 talent, not at 41 with the Broncos' second choice of the draft. They traded up at 42 to get a guy that most Broncos fans would have been okay with at 10. Yeah. That's a 32-pick difference. There is no way, and I've been one of the bigger critics of Elway, bigger critics of the Broncos, but there is no way you can hate on this pick. It's just impossible. It's not like they passed on Noah Fant and then had to pass on Dalton no. Reisner in order to get locked. I mean, they, they got, got them all. Three of them. Yes. So, you know, count your blessings, all right? Uh, next question here comes from Bronco Gig 95 going on 22, excuse me, 26 months as a VIP subscriber. Bronco Gig says, what is your outlook on what Denver will do with the wide receiver position with not really adding that burner through the draft, which I was under the impression they were prioritizing? There was one report that said that. So obviously that report was either in error or, you know, the Broncos just the way it fell and the way it shook out, they just weren't able to, to follow through on that priority. Also, at this point, are the signs pointing to Chris Harris getting an extension and with not, you know, with him not having been moved during the draft sack? Yeah, I, I said Friday was a big day for the Broncos to get through because it was round two and round three. And we talked about it last night, Chad. Elway seemed a little more relaxed in his post-draft press conference that will make contact with uh, Harris's camp. I happen to believe it's trending in that direction. He won't get 15, and it's going to be a little drawn out, but I think something will get done. In terms of the receivers— 
They have a packed room as it is. Sanders should be good for week one. They have a couple possession guys in Sutton, uh, Hamilton. They have a slot guy in, in Craycraft. They have Tim Patrick. They have Winfrey now. So that room is stacked. And, and they have uh, Langley on top to be that cherry on top, that, that burner type. So yep. I'm actually happy with the Broncos receivers. And you add Noah Fant in there. I mean, it's just Joe Flacco has so many weapons now. If Emmanuel Sanders ends up being able to contribute, you know, he might end up missing the first quarter of the season. We'll see. But if he ends up being able to contribute and, and play at relatively close to the Emmanuel Sanders level that we've become accustomed to as a Bronco, they're going to be just fine. They really are. Yeah. Even if they roll out the exact same receiving core that they did last year, Sanders, Sutton, Hamilton, Patrick, Craycraft, maybe you sneak on Winfrey, let's just say, for the sake of argument. Six guys. Even if that's what they have to roll with, they're going to be more than fine. They're going to be – that's a really good wide receiver depth chart because you're balancing yep. Pro Bowl veteran talent who has speed on one with up-and-coming uh, younger talent and one who has the potential to be one of the best X receivers in the game in Cortland Sutton. So, trust me, the Broncos right now, they're not lacking talent. And as far as burner, they got one. It's just a tight end. I mean, no offense, he is a mm. burner. And he's going to stretch the seam. So Joe Flacco's going to have everything he needs to make some hay. And if Flacco gets injured, Drew Locke, same goes for him. So last question here, Zach, then we'll get out of here. Which undrafted free agents have the best chance of sticking around? Thanks for all the in-depth draft coverage from Arctic Bronco going on three months as a VIP subscriber. You know, we got to say thanks to all the great analysts we have at Mile High Huddle who provide that in-depth written draft coverage and, and the podcast stuff too with Nick and Carl, but the work that those guys do, Eric Trickle, I mean, uh, they, they provide that in-depth stuff for you guys. So we tip our caps to them, but Zach, what's your question or your answer here for Arctic Bronco, which college free agents that were signed this year have the best chance of making it? Well, obviously Rippin with his giant guarantee, he has a pretty good chance of sticking around. We talked about it last night, Chad, but you and I like Malik Reed, the defensive end pass rusher. And one more player is Josh Watson from Colorado State, the inside linebacker. Obviously, the Broncos didn't draft one. They have a, a hole there after losing Brandon Marshall. He can compete. So Watson, Malik Reed, and Rippin are my three to watch. The only one I'll add to that is Joe Deneen, the, the uh, linebacker from Kansas, point. who is a phenomenal player. You know, he's lacking some of the twitchy athletic tools that NFL coaches drool over, which is why he slipped out of the draft. But he's a tackling machine. He's underrated. I think you got to look right now, Zach, at the linebackers who and the edge guys and possibly the corner, Elijah Holder, but and the specialist. We'll see what Jacob Bobenmoyer does, uh, if I pronounce his name right. Bobenmoyer, Bobenmoyer from Northern Colorado – who we talked about in the first segment being uh, competing this year with Casey Kreider. But the Broncos need an off-ball linebacker. Let's run through it just real quick. Josie Jewell, here's your projected starters. Todd Davis, Josie Jewell. Who's going to be competing for those reps? Alexander Johnson, the player formerly known as AJ. Joe Jones, which we haven't heard Elway verbalize. It's when he's talked about anyone besides Jewell and Davis. The only name he's mentioned is... To my knowledge, Johnson, and then actually I think he mentioned Keyshawn Bieria as well, yeah. which Vic Fangio also mentioned. KB, he called him. So those are your five off-ball linebackers. And then you throw into the mix uh, the possibility of Justin Hollins competing there. And now you got Joe Deneen. You got Josh Watson also contributing. And Malik Reed, he's going to be edge. He's an edge player. So those are the two positions. And I Dakota think, Watson. Right, exactly. And Dakota Watson. 
uh, who who could? I mean, I don't know. That's the only way I can rationalize why they made that trade is that they think that he can help him at off-ball linebacker. But then again, when the Broncos had him on the roster in 2016, he was strictly edge and special teams. I still don't know why they made that trade, I just don't know. I mean, special yeah. teams, I just, it, to me, it's baffling still. They could have picked up a rookie like they did in Hollins or Deneen. But yeah, those positions are one to watch. Obviously, at OLB, they have good starters there. And I want to see uh, what Holland can do this year. But Hollins, and you have Malik Reed at OLB. That competition there is going to produce a lot of training camp uh, headlines and battles. I'm looking forward to that. And ILB, I think between Deneen and uh, Josh Watson, one of them can stick. Maybe Alexander Johnson goes, you and I, or you're especially high on Joe Jones. We're not high on Keyshawn Bieri at all. So there's going to be, I think, a surprise cut there. If it was me, I would cut Bieri. He doesn't really offer much for me, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. I trust Fangio. That's the biggest thing exactly. to take away from this. That's the thing that you have to factor in here, which right now it's an unknown quantity. All we can do is try and project. But the truly um, motivated and talented players in this group, or the most talented players in this group, are going to take that additional step forward due to the Fangio bump. It's going to happen. Now, how far they can they can jump, how far they can bump up, so to speak, remains to be seen. Now, guys like Nick Kendall, who spent a lot of time evaluating the trenches and the front seven, they're kind of skeptical as to just exactly how much Todd Davis and Josie Jewell can stand to benefit, even from a great coach and maniacal X's and O's wizard like Vic Fangio, but... I, I am a lot more optimistic in that regard. I think that Todd Davis and Josie Jewell, if that ends up being the quote-unquote weakness of the defense in 2019, the Broncos are so strong everywhere else, Zach, that you know you just kind of have to take the, the bad with the good and see what you can do maybe next year in terms of bolstering the position. Yeah, you can't have pro bowlers at every spot. That's just not feasible in today's NFL. But it's telling to me that Fangio, they didn't trade for Darren Lee. They didn't sign C.J. Mosley. They didn't draft an inside linebacker. It's obvious that he likes the players they have on the roster. And I think Josie Jewell uh, is the guy that he likes a lot. I think he'll take the next step there. So between all of them and with Fangio's uh, coaching and tutelage, they should all be competent. And it's so refreshing and rewarding to say that a Broncos player should be better because of coaching next year. Yep, absolutely, and we'll see. We'll see how much the whole team gets the Fangio bump, but I think it'll, it'll be significant when it's all said and done. But big thanks to all our VIP subscribers for throwing your questions in the mailbag and for subscribing and doing what you do. You, you support what we do at the website. You allow us to do what we do with the podcast without you, your support as VIP subs. We wouldn't have the means to sit down and provide you a daily podcast. So big thanks to all our VIP subscribers who go the the extra mile. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. Don't forget to leave your creative review and five-star rating on iTunes. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. Building the Broncos will be back tomorrow with a fresh episode, I'm sure deep diving on the draft, breaking it all down in depth, and then we'll be back on the other side on Thursday. So until then, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Talk to you. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.